friends, and welcome to Feasting on Truth. I'm Erin Warren, and we are now officially halfway through the book of Hebrews this Advent, and I'm so thrilled that you are following along. I'm continuing to pray for you, that God would meet you in the pages of Hebrews, and that you would not walk away from this Christmas season the same, but rather more in love with Jesus. Today's chapter is close to my heart for this 2020 because it relates to my word for the year. It also gives this beautiful picture of Jesus as our priest king in the order of Melchizedek. We're still talking about our our friend from Salem. And there are a lot of characteristics of Jesus mentioned in this verse in these verses as well. But even more so at Christmas. These verses remind me that Jesus was not only our king, not only did he act as our high priest, but he is the one who goes before the Father as our intercessor. Here is Hebrews chapter 7. Lord Jesus, I come before you and I ask God that you would meet us in the pages of Hebrews 7 today. Lord, that you would show us your glory, Lord, um, that you would show us more of who you are as our way maker, and Lord, that we would never be the same because of it. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart are acceptable in your sight. God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart that is receptive to what it is you have for us. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. We are moving into Hebrews chapter 7 today, and chapter 7 begins with a more detailed description of who Melchizedek was and how Jesus is the more and better Melchizedek, and I went through that in episode 6 and then a little bit in episode 7, so um, a, a lot of what I pulled about Melchizedek is what the author of Hebrews is saying here, remember in chapter six, um, God wanting to abundantly show that he is trustworthy, not only gives his word, but he swears by an oath. And we see that in Psalm 110:4, where he says that he has sworn and he will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And he does not lie. He will not change his mind. Jesus is the priest king that was sent to fulfill the promise of restoring peace between us and God. And so that is how Jesus is the more and better Melchizedek. And so the author of Hebrews is still continuing in this line of thought as he moves into chapter seven. And he points to the fact that even the great Abraham gave a tenth to Melchizedek. And I love this passage and this argument here that we see starting in um, chapter seven, verse four, see how great this man was to whom Abraham, the patriarch gave a 10th of his spoils and those descendants of Levi who received the priestly office have a commandment in the law to take tithes from the people that is from their brothers, though these are also descended from Abraham. But this man does not have the descent from them received, who does not have the descent from them, received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had promises. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. And in one case, tithes are received by mortal men, but in the other case, 
by one of whom it is testified that he lives. One might even say that Levi himself, this is my favorite part, one might even say that Levi himself, who receives the tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, for he was still in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. So I love this argument that the author of Hebrews is saying. He's basically saying, and we talked about this in the previous um, two chapters, about the argument here would be that Jesus was of the line of Judah, not the line of Levi. Therefore, he could not be a high priest. And the author of Hebrews is pointing back to this guy, Melchizedek, from Genesis 14, who was not only a priest, but a high priest, but also he was the king of a, of a city named Salem, which is the um, Hebrew word, comes from the Hebrew word shalom, which means peace. And so he was not only the king of righteousness, which is what Melchizedek means, he was also the king of peace. And Salem is where uh, Jerusalem was. It was the forerunner to Jerusalem. And so the author of Hebrews is saying, no, he's not a high priest in the line of Levi. He is a high priest in the line of Melchizedek. And he was saying that one might even argue that Levi, who was not born yet, was still inside his, quote unquote, still inside his ancestor, Abraham, that Levi himself offered a tenth to Melchizedek. So he is saying there is no dispute. Jesus is the high priest king that we see through the line of Melchizedek, but also in Psalm 110. And not only is Jesus the more and better Melchizedek. And not only is he greater than Abraham, but the covenant that we have through him is better as well. Verses, uh, we're in verse 18. For on one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness, for the law made nothing perfect. And on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. And so we're seeing this continued thread of the hope that we have through Jesus Christ, that better hope, that sure and steadfast hope. Because the law never made anyone perfect. The law was never good enough. The law basically was a weak and useless system as it pertained to uh, covering our sins for eternity. And so when something better came along, it voided or nullified, or they would look at what was lesser as no longer necessary. Now follow me because there are still uh, rules and there are still a general guideline of what our lives should look like, but that is not what does the saving work. So he's saying that the law that was in establishment that was used to cover the sins of the people through the sacrifices in the tabernacle through the high priest is no longer needed because in verse 22, we see this makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests, verse 23, were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office, but he holds the priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Jesus is better. That has been my anthem this year. And I love that I am, we are ending this year in December 
uh, not only with Hebrews, but this idea that Jesus is better. My word for 2020 was better. And so when I see it in scripture, it just perks my ears up. The Greek word for better used here means more excellent. But listen to this. It comes from a root word that means dominion or exerted power. It means that better after exerting the power needed to plant down God's flag of victory. I'm going to say that again. It, it comes from this root word, which means dominion or exerted power. And it means it is better after exerting the power needed to plant down God's flag of victory. So when Jesus cried out on the cross, it is finished, and he walked out of the grave on that Sunday morning, Jesus was planting the God's flag of victory over death, over our sin, and, and claiming what was more excellent, what was now better. The law was not enough to do that. The former high priests were not enough to do that. They were human, imperfect, and every single one of them eventually died. But the kingdom that we have through Jesus Christ, his dominion, his victory is better because Jesus is the eternal high priest because he still lives. He holds the priesthood permanently. Because he did not die. He is not dead. And I love permanently, we think of something that is uh, forever sometimes, but the Greek word actually means unchangeable. Something like if you write in permanent ink, you cannot go back and change it. I know when my son was three, he wrote with permanent marker on my white couch. It was my black and white couch. It's still there. It didn't come out. It's unchangeable. It's permanent. And just like the marker that reminds me all the time that is on my white couch, he holds that priesthood permanently. And no matter what you believe about Jesus, he does not change. Who he is, is not dependent on what you believe about him. He is without a doubt, factually, truthfully, the unchangeable priest forever. And in verse 25, we see consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost, those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people. Since he did this, once for all, when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints the son who has been made perfect forever. What Jesus offers us is better. His way of salvation is better because his way of salvation is eternal. Now, look how many in words in just these first few verses that we read in these verses for today, where the author uses to explain the eternal and complete nature of Jesus's priesthood permanently, 
forever. He uses that two times to the uttermost. He always lives. And we don't fully understand what a radical idea it was for us to be able to then come near to God because of it. Because previous to Jesus, no one could come close to God. No one could behold his glory. Nobody could look upon his face because if they did, they would die. One of my favorite children's books is called The Garden, the Curtain, and the Cross. And I'll put a link in the show notes. It talks about that curtain we talked about in the pre in chapter six about um, the big curtain and it relates it to this big keep out sign because of your sin, you can't come in. It says over and over, but then Jesus, Jesus on the cross. And there's a word in Greek in this verse that it's not in all our English translation. So yours may say save to the uttermost or save forever or save always. But the Greek word is save completely. The salvation that we have through the blood of Jesus is complete. It is not lacking in the least bit. There is nothing more that needs to be done. And because of that, because of the cross, because this holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, exalted priest king did what no other high priest had ever been able to do. He offered the ultimate sacrifice, not for himself like the other priests had to do, not to cover his own sin because he was sinless. He was innocent. He was unstained. And instead of offering up a sacrifice, he offered himself as the sacrifice. And because of that, we have this ability to draw near to our God. He made the way and he lives today to make that intercession for us and on our behalf. I love the Greek word for intercession. Um, it, we often relate it to prayer, but even more deeply, it's comprised of two words, meaning in and to hit the mark or to hit the bullseye. Properly, it's this idea of intersecting with. He intersected our lives and he hit the nail right on the head. He lived to intervene on our behalf. He lived to be the way maker. And now because of that, through Jesus, who was the full glory of God, y'all, it was the first time in history that human eyes could lay, uh, take hold and see God's glory. And because of that, now his glory through the Holy Spirit can live in us. We can behold and experience his glory because of Jesus, because he made the way. Like I said, my word for the year has been better. My anthem has been Jesus is better. What Jesus asked me to do is better. And it really was built on my word from last year, which was his way. His way is better. And I know that this year has rocked us. I know that he is shaking things out of us. And we're going to get to that in Hebrews 12. But he is continually teaching me that what Jesus offers us is better than anything this world can offer us. And I just feel like I want to lead us in a prayer because if you have never experienced Jesus in this way, if you have never given your life to him and said, Jesus, your way is better, 
I want to give you a chance. And I want to pray with you right now. So wherever you are, just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, your way is better. God, you made the way for us. You, Jesus, offered yourself on my behalf, taking my sin, taking my punishment, taking God's wrath over me onto you. Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner and I ask you to come into my life. Lord, it is yours. I pray that you will be Lord of my life. I want to spend the rest of my days following you because you are better. It's in your... Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you just prayed that prayer, I want you to know you are now part of the family of God, that you are now, he is in your life and the glory of God is dwelling inside of you and you are saved for eternity. I would love it if you would um, email me. And if you go to feastingontruth.com at the top, there's a place that says, say hello and let me know because I wanna help you get connected with some other people or, or help you find some other women that you can um, do life with, that you can encourage you on in your journey. Jesus is intervening on our behalf. He is the high priest forever. He is eternal. He is savior. He is Messiah. He is the intercessor. He is holy, innocent, unstained, exalted, perfect, the high priest forever. I think we often think of interceding merely as prayer, but here we see that it is so much more than that. Jesus interceding for us is him intersecting our lives and doing what we could not do ourselves. And because of that, we not only have access to the Father, but we can also be intercessors for each other. This Christmas, we can pray for one another and we can go before the Father, lifting one another up and not merely praying for one another and, and each other's needs, but intersecting their lives at their need, praying earnestly for God to move. These days are hard, and some days it's really hard to find words or energy to pray. Let's be women of God who pray for one another. And even if you can't find the words, I want you to know this truth from Romans 8, 26 through 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And I love that word, 
used for interceding here because it has this prefix of hyper on it in the Greek, which means abundant. So the Holy Spirit is abundantly interceding for you. Jesus is currently interceding for you. And I love, I quote Stacy a lot, but she's such a wise, wise Bible teacher. My friend Stacy Thacker wrote a book on Ephesians as well as Hebrews called When Grace Walks In. And she says this so eloquently. Prayer is an invitation to join a conversation currently and perfectly happening between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Son and Holy Spirit are already going before the Father on your behalf. All you have to do is join them in prayer. Let me pray over you today. Jesus, thank you for doing what we could not, for intersecting our lives right at the place of our need. And Lord, you did so at just the perfect time. Lord, after hundreds of years of silence and darkness, light broke through. And Lord, I know so many of us feel like we are living in dark times. We are living in dark circumstances. But Lord, your light has not gone out. It has not been overcome. It has not been seized by darkness. And so Lord, I just pray that this Christmas we would remember your light. We remember that you did what the blood of bulls and goats, what other high priests could never do for us. And you did it better. You did it more perfectly. And because of that, for eternity, we are secure and steadfastly held in you. And I pray that we would hold on to that hope. We would hold on to that light this week as we draw nearer and nearer to celebrating your birth on Christmas. It is in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you.